Hello and welcome to the Spirit World Center. Today we are answering a Q&A question. And that question is the following. Question about serving ego. Can nothing ever be done to serve, satiate the ego? Seems miserable to never do something for yourself. Seems dehumanizing. You can't really always serve the higher self, can you? What if your higher self isn't this bastion of life and happiness? And then to add to this question, he asks, uh, what if the higher self isn't the sunshine and rainbows type and is more of a, a darker aspect? He also mentions how in some societies there are white shamans and dark shamans, and could the higher self be dark, not necessarily evil or even chaotic, just dark. Uh, this is a, a very interesting question, and it, I'm going to have to get uh, right into the weeds with it uh, to answer. Um, regarding the, the last bit first, though, um, it's, it's a very interesting point, this idea of dark shamans, and I think this is something to bear in mind, is that shamanism is very much a technology, and it can be good for uh, it can be used for good or um, perceived evil. And uh, I'm reminded of uh, uh, skinwalkers here, right? So skinwalkers within Navajo Navajo folklore are shamans who have turned bad, right? They use their gifts not for providing for the community and healing, they instead use those gifts for their own ends, right? And ultimately, they have given over to these selfish desires. And so this would be a situation where a shaman has has turned away from its higher self and turned towards the ego. It's, it's this curious idea, right? We've talked before on the show of the higher self and the ego. And I think it's, uh, you know, this question of can your higher self be dark, okay? Um, ultimately, in one particular way, yes, your higher self can be dark, um, but in other ways, not so much. And we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, so, um, ultimately, your higher self is your your true being, right? It's your it it actually is you. You are the higher self listening to me right now as you as you listen to this. Uh, the higher self is your awareness, right? It's that consciousness in you right now that is aware of this situation, and. Um, an analogy here of the interrelationship between the higher self and the ego and the body is to look at someone using a computer, right? So the person sitting down at the computer, the user, that is actually the higher self, right? This is, it's, it's not something external to you. Uh, this is the, the actual core you. Um, it's your awareness and it's you as the user of this 
system. Uh, and then there is the computer itself. That is the body, right? So when you, when you as the highest, higher self incarnate into this reality, you get a body, right? And uh, the thing is that, um, you know, to continue the, the user and the computer metaphor, on that computer, so in that body, right, uh, there is software, right? There, you, know, you start up the computer and you're the user using that computer and suddenly you have this software that you are now interacting with. And there's the, the basic operating system on there. This is very much your, your instincts, right? The, uh, the part of the human programming that keeps you alive. And this is very much what the, the ego is. It is a, a set of programming, some inborn within you, your instincts, and others that are acquired through education and learning that result in the mind that you have right now, right? Not the awareness, that's the higher self, but rather the mind, the actual thinking that's going on within you right now, the actual processing, that kind of programming that you have within you. And um, ultimately, right, due to trauma, that can be um, pretty skewed, um, or it can be, uh, you know, pretty, uh, uh, the, the benevolent and, you know, uh, very, uh, useful for you in achieving your aims. And, um, it's, it's a situation where the higher self doesn't want to get rid of the ego, right? I mean, if you get rid of your ego, <laughs> you're not going to be able to live, right? That ego has all this primal stuff, all these instincts, all the uh, reactions that you have learned and trained and acquired throughout life, all the programming that is keeping you alive and keeping you doing what you're doing, keeping you in the career that you're in, keeping you... Um, uh, and so it's necessary. It's necessary to keep you alive, you never want to destroy the ego, okay? Um, that is a, a non-starter. You don't want to destroy it. Um, the thing you want to do is get the ego to start collaborating with your higher self. Get your ego to realize that it is not about this earthly existence, that there, there are higher... Um, there are higher projects to work on. There are higher goals to attain. And you basically want the ego to start working with your higher self. Uh, this is very much like playing the, the game The Sims, right? Where uh, you are, um, you're the user, <laughs> your higher self is the user at the computer. And the, um, the actual Sims character is in essence your your ego right it's it's made up of all this programming and it's a lot of the time it's working on autopilot it's doing its own thing um and then this is all taking place on the computer the computer is the factual physical computer is basically the body in this analogy well the thing is that that ego 
you know sometimes you as the the player in the sims you send an order to that sim and sometimes it does what it's asked and, and other times it uh has its own idea of what it's going to do right it's uh you know going to go start some coffee or something and it's it's your uh your request is going to be pretty low in its list of uh things that it's going to do um right in its priorities and uh so this of course happens with the ego so something that's very positive is um getting the ego to cooperate but something that is necessary in order to get cooperation is that sometimes you do have to throw the ego a bone right you do have to keep the ego happy Right? You can't uh, suppress it constantly. I mean, you can, and there are some the many spiritual systems based on basically completely repressing the ego. Uh, but it can be a very effective practice to, in essence, bribe the ego or otherwise appease it in a way that it finally starts working with you and saying, okay, you know what? I'm not afraid that I'm going to be destroyed <laughs> by the higher self. I'm not going to be uh, locked away. I am uh, I sometimes get what I want. And in exchange, I'm helping to work towards uh, this um, this very positive outcome where the higher self can achieve these these ideals. So, of course, this this question then of uh, what is the higher self and what does it want, and therefore can you have a dark higher self? Well, so the higher self. Another analogy here for you is that the higher self is basically this aspect of your consciousness who you truly are that exists in the spirit world and it's it's very big it's very big and it basically you know it's like um a person you going out on a dock on a lake and you sit down the dock and you're the higher self and you dip your toe into the water and that toe is temporarily uh cut off from the the rest of the higher self um but it still shares with the rest of that and it's cut off into the spirit into the physical world and has amnesia about its origins and but that piece of the higher self still has um the the programming let's say the um the pattern of the larger higher self right so that even though you're not aware of your true nature in the spirit world you still have a pattern within you that matches the pattern of your larger self in the spirit world and that pattern is a certain proclivity to do certain things it's your will and intention in this life your true will and purpose and this pattern that every higher self has is always different, right? My pattern is going to be different from yours, and you know yours is going to be different from any other person. Uh, they can have certainly certain similarities, but they will tend to be different. And this is okay. This is this makes up a, a wonderful symphony of existence, right? Where everyone has you know is playing a a different instrument. Yeah, there's similarities, right? You have the string section over here. You have the brass over there. And every person 
by playing their different patterns, right? By playing out their their life in different ways, by seeking different goals, they all are creating this beautiful harmony of a, of a symphonic music that uh, just fits all together. And uh, some, and so the the different patterns that people have, it's coming from resonating with different, you know, primordial energies. When we're talking about energies here, we're talking about patterns of of consciousness. Um, so we're talking about you know, pulling back even further here. If you take an animist worldview, when you take a panpsychist worldview, which is basically the the new word for panpsychism, um, you you pull back and you realize, okay, consciousness is primary, right? Consciousness is the bedrock of reality. It's the only thing that actually exists. And that matter arises out of of consciousness, right? That consciousness is is everywhere, it is everything, and then this appearance of reality comes out of that consciousness. And so when you when you think of it that way, um the uh there are patterns in that consciousness, right? So uh patterns of things like growth. There are patterns of things like attraction. These are um, basically um, programming, if you will, within the the raw consciousness of the universe. And these programs come together to create our reality and, and the narrative of our reality and, and how our reality fits together and unfolds, right? How things grow, how things are pulled together through attraction, how things are repelled. Um, all of these, these general principles acting within uh, the coding of our reality to create the experience of reality that we're experiencing. And so these, these primordial energies, um, they are very big <laughs> and they're very important. And they also exist within our higher selves. Our higher selves have different, uh, different mixes of all these different uh, um, uh, energies. And usually there are some energies that are more powerful than others within a certain person. And this will then explain why that person does certain things when they're incarnated, right? Because they are uh, acting on the pattern of their higher self, that is their meaning in life, and they're intuitively following that and, uh, and acting in a way that fulfills the will and the goals of their higher self. And um, so, for instance, right, you might have a, a higher self that is resonating strongly with this energy of uh, protecting people, right? Providing for and protecting people. And and so you might have someone who is very happy just, uh, you know, being a farmer in life and providing for their family and, uh, and uh, protecting them. Or you might have, um, well, to speak more, uh, uh, to uh, revisit the protection part, right? You might have someone who resonates really with that energy of protection, right? That they protect others. And so you might have someone who has a, a life where they're drawn to being, let's say, a soldier, right? Um, you also might have someone who is very much about uh, helping heal others, right? This kind of, uh, this this healing function 
which you can see built into the structure of reality, right? And so this energy, once again, can be manifesting through someone's higher self. And that person can become the shaman, it can become the healer, this type of thing. And, uh, and so everyone, you know, has this different proclivity for their higher self, this variation in what they want to accomplish. Now, uh, we have to then discuss where things can go wrong, right? So where can really nasty stuff emerge? And uh, this is this is often when the ego interacts with uh, one of these um, with the energies coming from the higher self, and therefore it manifests in a disfigured way in this in this reality. So, for instance, you have the the higher self's proclivity, let's say, to be um, a provider, but you know that can that can lead someone to let's say be a hunter, okay, and a hunter for their family. Well, here's the thing: is that the the ego can be very much influenced by traumas and by repression and by a lot of life experience and education to take that higher self energy in a in its own way and so for instance let's say that you have this this desire to provide and acquire things and you uh, you have it in a traumatized individual well that proclivity can become something very dark, right? In the past, it would have been, okay, I'm a hunter for my family. I go into the woods and I bring back game and I feed my family. But if that is morphed by the ego into, okay, well, I provide for myself and also I'm to have trauma in a way where it can basically lead that person to hunt something that is not game and such as a serial killer that can lead to very dark outcomes where the ego has taken what would in better situations lead someone to be a hunter for their family and lead them to be a serial killer for themselves it can disfigure and transform something that would be light into something that's dark and um Another example would be, uh, you know, you have someone who is a, a protector for a community. And uh, you know, as in they have a higher self that, that leads them to want to protect those around them. And so you, uh, you then have an individual who is resonating with that energy, right? The, the will in this life to uh, protect others. But let's say that they have trauma and that they have past life and experiences and education that leads them in certain directions. That, that, that altruistic desire can be disfigured and transformed in a way where that person becomes a, a bloodthirsty dictator that wants to destroy and create some war that's unnecessary uh, because they are feeling uncertainty, they're feeling hatred, they're feeling all these mixed emotions coming from uh, the ego that are uh, transforming this this kind of this pure 
altruistic uh, intention, right? And um, and so once again, it's this uh, something that was light can become disfigured and transformed into uh, into something uh, terrible. And so this is a good uh, moment then to discuss where that transformational and disfiguring energy is coming from uh, in terms of the ego. And it's very much coming from the fact that the higher self is has a, uh, a bit of an advantage compared to the ego. The ego is this programming of you that is existing within uh, three-dimensional reality. It's, a, it's existing within time and space, and therefore it has a lot of uncertainty, right? We are at one point in time. We don't know how things are going to turn out, and, uh, and so it's very uncertain. Now, the higher self, it has access at a very deep intuitive level to a, a certainty, and that certainty is you are consciousness. That consciousness has always existed and it always will exist. And so with that certainty allows the higher self to engage in trust, trusting in the future, trusting in others, because it, it's no longer grasping. It doesn't care how things turn out. Anything can happen to this, to the higher self. And it knows that everything's going to be okay. You know, the worst that can happen is that it dies in the next second. Well, it's still going to be consciousness. You know, this vessel is over. Well, it's still going to be consciousness and it's still going to exist. It has this certainty, right? This can bleed. This can lead to trust in reality. It can lead to trust in the community of spirits around it. And eventually it leads to, to love as well, because it sees itself at this deep intuitive level as being one with everything else. And when you are one with everything else, right, when you see that consciousness elsewhere and you know that that's the same consciousness within you, it allows for empathy and it allows for a deep love between all things. So at the, at the higher self level, deep down, intuitively, when you, it, it knows that, and uh, and you can unlock that by by tapping into that that higher self, and uh, of course at the at the ego level, it doesn't have that certainty. It has uncertainty, and uncertainty brings about all these these secondary energies, right? They aren't these primordial energies, but they are these things that are transformed by the um by the uh the, the by the ego and uh, things like uh you know jealousy and hatred um all these very nasty emotions and so this is a long way of saying that when it comes to particularly dark emotions right um things like uh, you know hatred and um you know, the desire to murder someone. Uh, these are uh, things that are not going to be coming from your higher self, right? Um, your higher self, an easy way to tell if something is coming from your higher self or not, or from the ego, is whether it is um, coming from a place of, of trust uh, 
or if it's coming from a place of uncertainty. Okay. And, you know, trust, of course, leads to things like love and, um, and compassion and all this, while as uncertainty can lead to the, the more, the negative emotions that people have. Now, um, I'm getting to one thing that does come through the higher self that a lot of people would say is negative, but actually is a primordial energy that resonates with a lot of beings and, and, uh, could be labeled something dark, but is actually something very positive when you understand in the right light. Now, um, before we get there, though, I just want to make the point that um, that things like anger are not always negative, right? Um, something like anger can be coming from the ego, and it basically can be coming from that uncertainty, right? And so uncertainty about life um, and inspired by that. Um, at that. In that case, it's, you know, it's, it's coming from the ego. It's not necessarily a good thing. But, you know, if you, if you deal with it, you can, you can get over it. Um, and it becomes an especially bad thing, though, if it becomes a pattern that you just continually feel in your life, right? You're constantly feeling anger. However, there is a higher self form of anger as well, right? And that is the anger that you might feel if your boundaries are being uh, are being overstepped, right? The, the higher self can certainly feel anger if another being or another entity is, is uh, purposefully getting in the way of one's pattern. So... Yes, there can certainly be annoyance as well at the higher self level. And uh, it it's acting as an alarm bell, right, for the higher self, basically saying, look, you know, you're, you're working on bringing this pattern into this world, and uh, look what's happening over here. Okay, look at that. Okay, I'm annoyed. And, you know, when you're rightly annoyed at that level... Um, it, it can be a very positive, uh, a, a positive emotion. Uh, the trick is not to hold on to it, right? It's a warning signal to your, to yourself. And it's basically inspiring you to say, okay, whoa, 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 where's my boundaries? Okay, what, what's going on here? Let's address it, right? And it is coming from, um, still coming from a place of certainty, right? But it's, it's basically saying, okay, something is getting in the way of me, um, expressing my pattern in this existence. So that is one thing to bear in mind. Now, there. so yeah, ultimately we're at a point here where I've explained that the higher self is not going to have really, really dark stuff going on, right? It's not going to be telling you to engage in hate, this type of thing. So, but... There is one particular primordial energy that can come through very strongly with the higher self. And this is an energy that the powers that be, society, a lot of organized religions and everything, they label it as something very bad 
even though it's actually something absolutely essential to our reality. And that thing is chaos. And I can tell you one thing, that a lot of the beings that have been labeled as demons within uh, especially Christian systems um, are actually... We haven't discussed elementals in a while, but uh, you can have beings who are made up of certain energies, primarily made up of certain energies. They basically live and breathe and and feed on certain energies. And um, they are basically experts at those energies, so they're very useful to call it if you need that energy in your life. Things like earth, air, fire, water, but uh, in this case, it's chaos. And, uh, and so, of course, there are chaos elementals. And these are beings who basically live within chaos. They bring with them chaos, and they uh, and they enjoy very much chaos. And they're experts at it, and they can be uh, consulted on chaos. Now, what is the use of that? Uh, well, chaos is essential for growth. If you have a system in equilibrium, you can't have change, and you can't have growth until that system is thrown out of equilibrium. You have to have an injection of chaos. And that allows for the people within that system, or the person's life, the person in that life, to rise to the next level, to make change or to otherwise grow in a way where they then enter a new equilibrium where they have changed and grown. And a... uh, so a chaos elemental basically uh, lives and, and, and is, is knowledgeable about that kind of, of chaos, and they bring it with them. Um, this type of being is, uh, is very commonly labeled as a demon within certain systems. However, that's not quite fair, because honestly, when I think of a demon, I think of something that is predatory or parasitic. And there are lots of those types of beings out there, predatory or parasitic beings that just want to feed on you. And um, But a chaos elemental, right? They're actually a necessary feature in things like personal development and allowing for change in society and otherwise allowing for growth. And so um, you kind of have a, a situation where uh, what is labeled as demon, you know, sometimes is things that are rightly so because they are dangerous in terms of um, destroying you, because things like parasitism and, uh, and predatory. But there are also beings who are more or less just uh, dangerous towards a status quo, dangerous towards hierarchy, dangerous towards a system that is in equilibrium. And these are beings that are necessary for existence, right? They are necessary just like <laughs> just like the seasons. They are necessary uh, for reality to continue to take form. But if you're in a status quo position or in a hierarchy or in an equilibrium, they're very nasty because they threaten that. Uh, so a perfect example of this is uh, Loki 
within the um, uh, within the myth of Ragnarok. Loki, I would say, is very much a, a deity of chaos. And if you look at the Ragnarok myth, you have... I won't go into the exact details, but you have basically <laughs> Loki causing events to unfold that eventually lead to the destruction of reality itself, to the gods, in essence, uh, fighting each other, uh, uh, gods and giants fighting and and nullifying each other even, um, and the sun and moon being destroyed and all this. But out of that emerges a new reality uh, in which there are some human survivors and you have this hope that you know, things are going to grow again. And you have to look at this and remember that uh, people didn't always see time as linear, right? And they saw time sometimes as very cyclical. And, um, and so Ragnarok is part of the cycle of existence, part of creation and destruction and then rebirth and uh and ultimately what you have happening in the ragnarok myth is that you have an equilibrium right you have all the gods you have the current hierarchy um you have the system as is the status quo and then loki comes in there and he injects some chaos and it causes the entire thing to unfold um, and to <laughs> to uh, completely collapse in on itself, and uh, and then a new system emerges, right? Well, this is the same way that uh, that chaos works within one's life, right? As I was saying before, you are going along, life is pretty much the same, pretty much the same, and this is the path of spiritual growth as well. Life is pretty much the same. You're in a you're in a stable equilibrium, and then chaos is injected. Something happens, right? Some struggle or some realization, and then you have to step up. You have to show who you are. You have to learn. You have to prove yourself or some other type of growth um, action. And then after that, you have arisen to a new equilibrium at a higher level of development, right? But you needed that that injection of chaos to destroy the old order so that you could then rise to your next level. This is the usefulness of chaos. Okay, so now chaos existing as this primordial spiritual energy that is all about ripping apart hierarchies so that growth and change can happen. Ripping apart status quos so that change and growth can happen. Well, it's not just present in elemental spirits. It's not just present in deities. It is also going to be present within certain higher selves. And so... If you have a higher self that resonates with chaos, right, you definitely might feel like you're very dark within this society because this is an energy that a mainstream society, this is an energy that a mainstream society will not like, right? You're going to feel like you don't quite fit in. 
but it is you. And uh, there are positive ways, because it is a positive energy, there are many positive ways to channel that and funnel it, even if it will lead you to never be truly understood by, um, by society. So I would say, yeah, in, in short, after this long discussion, I would say that, you know, shamanism is a technology and you can have shamans who do very dark things and you can have shamans that do good things. And often the divide there will be that the ones who are doing bad things are, are acting on their, um, on their ego which is coming from uncertainty and which is coming from uh, being cut off from who they truly are and the certainty that comes from knowing that they are an immortal consciousness and being really hooked into that, that knowledge, right? I mean, if you're a skinwalker, why do you have to take revenge on your neighbors if you know that you're an immortal consciousness and you know this at a very deep level, right? Um, it's it's coming from the fact that you are getting so attached to this reality and this is something that the ego does well as shaman who is focusing on healing and all this they're very much more would be more connected with their their higher self now is a higher self going to uh tell you to do you know very dark things no uh, it's because it's not coming from that place of unity Right, it's not coming from that place of, of trust and of, and actually that deep intuitive knowledge that you are this this infinite spiritual being. Um, however, right, uh, in some, uh, there is a primordial energy that might be coming through you that others might label as very dark, even though it isn't for those who actually understand. And that is chaos. Chaos can be very powerful. It can be very disruptive, disruptive too. But disruption is something that is necessary in life. And ultimately, I would also suggest that you don't have to look at it as though you're at war with your ego, right? The higher self and the ego have to learn to work together. Uh, this is very much, you know, where the, the term yoga comes from. It's uh, to yoke. And basically imagine, you know, this wild yak that you slowly train and you slowly put the yoke on it. And so suddenly it's, it's able to pull a plow for you. It starts to work with you as opposed to against you. It's a long training process. But this is what you want to do with your ego. You eventually want to to work with you. And absolutely, you know, you, you sometimes have to, to throw it a treat. You know, that's that's part of the training process. You have to show it that you're not trying to destroy it, not trying to simply overpower it or lock it away. You are trying to work in a symbiosis with it. So, and, and also I would just suggest the other thing, which is that the ego is not you. Right. This is something that comes from um, from mindfulness meditation, where you you are the awareness, and you just watch your thoughts arise, and you start to realize, wow, my mind is just constantly thinking, and it's just chattering away, and it's just acting on its programming, and you are the awareness watching your mind do that. The mind is actually not you.
Um, and you can, you know, you can certainly, you have to work with it. You have to work with your mind. You have to, as you, you know, you can look at it like the operating system on your computer. Uh, you, um, you have, you can add and subtract programs from that, uh, from the operating system, uh, until you get something that is useful for you, right? You can, you can learn to work with it and you can get it working with you. Um, it's not your enemy. It is a, a very powerful and useful, um, instrument. It's a very powerful, uh, friend that you can work with. So you don't have to look at it as, as overcoming it, right? <clears throat> um, just remember, though, who you truly are and explore and, and see who you truly are. Um, and, you know, once again, realize that there are uh, certain primordial energies that can come through that, um, you know, we have to determine, <laughs> we have to look at what do we mean by evil, right? What is evil? Who... Um, who's determining what is evil and so if you resonate very strongly with with chaos uh yeah you will definitely feel like there's something dark about you uh but in fact you're resonating with a very useful property uh, a very useful program that helps generate reality itself that is a primordial energy that is essential in the programming of reality so that was a very long <laughs> answer. I hope that I, I helped out. Um, everybody, uh, talk to you later. Lots of, uh, <laughs> lots of love and light. May you find certainty in your life. And uh, I'll talk to you all later. <laughs> bye bye.